The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. What time is it? Excuse me. We are back from the break, and it is time for two things that we are obsessed with this week for the top two in our two. Give me the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two, winning, 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 winning. All right. You want to go ahead and get us started, Steph? Sure. I'm going to do, you guys, I want to let you know, two. I actually have two events this coming up week that I just wanted you guys to know about. And um, the first one is I'm going to be a guest on the uh, Yia Vangs and David Krabs White on Rice podcast. And I think it's kind of cool. They've got a lot of interesting uh, stories that they've heard and talked about. And they're really kind of linking food, culture, and community. I'm kind of just grateful to be on, especially like during feast season. It should be pretty cool. I don't have any idea what we're talking about. But it is a live event. And it's going to be at Dangerous Man Brewing. And so what's great is that there will be food from Union Monk Kitchen there. Um, and yet, uh, and there's going to have beer from Dangerous Man, of course. Um, and it's just going to be fun. So I kind of want, if you guys want to come out, we're just going to have like a little chit chat discussion. And I'm really excited to hear about years. Um, a couple of years ago in the magazine, we did a little piece about like what it was like to experience, uh, you know, Thanksgiving the first time for, you know, first generation Americans. And, you know, the idea that like we forget that people who aren't, weren't, you know, born in this country, but who now are part of our tapestry, like they don't know, like what was it like the first time that they saw, a turkey on a table and I never forget how Billy I think it was Billy or no it was I think it was John or Lena from Zenbox who said oh my god what is it just a huge chicken what is that doing and so I don't know it's kind of fun to think about and so I'm sort of excited to hear about some family traditions and things like that so that's what so that is on Tuesday 
And it's at six o'clock, I think, is when it starts. Um, and it's going to be just at uh, it's going to be at Dangerous Man Brewing in Northeast. So you should come. You have to buy tickets, but tickets are um, they are available on Eventbrite. And I think I already did put that on the Weekly Dish uh, Facebook page. I ran into him, and he was saying he was excited about that event. Yeah, it's twenty five <clears throat> bucks. That's what it is. So. Um, yeah, so just kind of a good little afternoon and evening, I think, and, and uh, just a good community, a moment to kind of celebrate community. All right. So this week I had the opportunity to eat at Nong's Thai Kitchen. And this is a place that I think technically is in Plymouth, but it's near Golden Valley off of 55, 169 and Medicine Lake Road. It's a family owned place. And I was just really, I've, I've had takeout from there before, but I hadn't actually eaten inside the restaurant, but I thought it was really good. They had a red Thai chicken curry that was super delicious. And I had a tom ka soup that was like the coconut milk. And it has those um, big mushrooms in it, lots of chunks of chicken. And also I thought the pad Thai uh, that we had at the table was really good. So that is Nong's Thai kitchen. You can eat in or do takeout. So good. So good. Um, okay, so my second one is the second event I have coming up this week, you guys, is I'm kind of excited for this one. This one is uh, it's with Amalia. Um, let me just check this out. She's got a new book out, and it's it's uh, or Amalia, I think, Moreno Domgard, and she's got a book out called Amalia's Mesoamerican Table. And I'm kind of I've I have the book and I've looked through it, and it's just really really beautiful, and just there's so many good nourishing uh, dishes on there. So we're doing it. She's kind of launching her book at the Lynn Hall, and um, we're doing it up in the Linny. And this is going to be a really cool, I think, way of exploring maybe again other side dishes or other things you may want to put on your feast table because everything in here is uh is sort of you know celebrating these really bright flavors and it's really comforting stuff so what we're going to do is she's going to have um a chat we're going to she's going to cook your 55 dollars ticket you guys by the way and that's on thursday at 5 30 it's a 55 dollars ticket you get a copy of the book so that's what i think is awesome is you get a copy of the book and she's we're going to have a chit chat she's got uh she's we're doing a glass of kava and there's going to be food and uh, what I also love is that a portion of the ticket sales are going to benefit Open Arms of Minnesota, which, of course, is feeding people who are facing illnesses and, and uh, kind of stuck in their home. So it's it's really great. There's a cash bar. Um, so we're just going to have a good time. And I think it's just a fun way to kind of celebrate feasting and if, with the different maybe opening up new areas for you. Her first cookbook um, her was a Guatemalan cooking book that really I liked and is still on my shelf. Yeah. Um, Lots of really great bright flavors in this one. uh, My second top two would be uh, Tasha Kellen and Isadora Nut Company. As we're getting into feast and uh, cocktail and Christmas season, she's got a lemon rosemary nut that is in a bag. It's kind of sweet. It's very lemony and really delicious. The thing I like about her is she is an inclusive employer. So she makes all of her nuts at a kitchen and employs all uh, people that have disabilities in order to put the nuts together, put the packaging together. In a time when people are talking about having such a difficult time keeping employees, um, she's done a really good job of making sure that she's reaching out and being an inclusive employer. And there are a lot of people that have able bodies and skills that maybe just need a little more time and training or a little more support on the job, depending on what that would be. And talking to her about it and how she had no idea when she was first starting to 
produce her product, that this was even an option and how much it has changed her business and changed her outlook on her business and how much more appreciative she is of uh, bringing, being able to bring this workforce together. And I just thought her story was really great. So she's got some delicious nuts. So that's Isidore Nuts. You can find them online, but also in your co-ops. Uh, they have them at Lunds and Byerly's, and she ships as well. She's got like a sampler, I think, that she's doing for the holidays. So that's a fun one. Oh, that's good. Um, just another thing that came up is there is a really good food and wine email that you can subscribe to. And I get it pretty much every week. And what I like about it is, is it's very present. So for this week, I had 33 different types of turkey recipes. Last week, there was soup. So it's really taking into account the seasons. And what it does is when you click through it, it takes you to like a slideshow that has all the different recipes. So they do all the work for you of compiling the list. And it's a little bit different than like the newsletters that you get from the New York Times where they're more informative about those are seasonal too but they give you specific dishes this really works more on a category and on a theme so if you want to subscribe to the food and wine emails um that might be another one and if any of you guys are i know we had a large influx of people to the uh weekly dish instant potters page and so if you guys are listening and you're new to the radio show or if you're new to uh you know instant potting just remember, we have uh, there's a such a huge community over on the Weekly Dish Instant Potters uh, Facebook page that you guys could um, definitely go check out if you haven't yet. And there's, you know, as as more people come in, it's kind of always interesting to see what people are interested in and what they're asking and um, things that they're posting. So it seems like a lot of people, you know, are just sort of kind of reevaluating. Like they're coming up with things that, like, we have a question about. If anyone has done a large quantity of baked potatoes in the Instant Pot and doing all these kind of things, I think it's just fun to watch how, you know, the questions kind of cycle through. And so it's kind of it's it, if you haven't been back there in a while, maybe just go check out and see what's up. You mentioned that there's a slow cooker setting that you could do rolls in that we talked about. I did my Instant Pot mashed potato. Or I do Instant Pot mashed potatoes just so that you have one less thing on the stove that you're having to deal with. And you can do them in advance and put them in a casserole dish, too. And then break them, bake them with like a garlicky breadcrumb on top, or just have like a cheese crust, depending on what your family likes. So. Yeah, and there's definitely uh, there's definitely uh, tons of recipes you can search on the Instant Pot page because people, if you just use the search button, you know you can find uh, stuff that people have posted before, and so you can just so you don't have to scroll. You can definitely use the search button, just so you know that. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk about some of the different types of birds that you can buy for the feast. All right, we are back on the weekly dish. We are in hour two, and many of you are getting to the point where you might be buying the bird, and there's a lot of different terminology when you're buying the bird, and some of this stuff was kind of new to me. I don't usually buy the the turkey. Kurt usually buys it, and he really goes for just the straight Jenny O. Um, there have been some years where I've been able to do uh, more of a heritage turkey situation. But there's usually, like, when you're buying a turkey, there are some terms that you'll see on the packaging. So many of us, when we go to the grocery store situation, we're buying a self-basted or injected turkey. And these are the turkeys that are typically the most affordable and readily available. They are from factory farms, typically. And they inject them with a saline solution that they use to tenderize the meat. 
and they're available at most large retailers. And so they're convenient. But if you are planning to do a brine, you may want to avoid this type of turkey because if you brine it, it's going to really tend to be oversalted. Mm-hmm. Because salting is, or brining is just really a salt solution. Um, Stephanie, you have that good tea brine that you've used yeah. in years past the with the bourbon, oranges. The black tea bourbon. I always try to find it too. I feel like I search it and then I, I feel like I have it written down somewhere, but I feel like I need to post it again. Um, and I, and actually I've done a wet, I've done a dry brine. I've done the, the white, the salt sort of, uh, crusting on it lately is that's the last couple of years I've done that and just set it in my garage overnight. Oh, that's okay. So to do it, but yeah, because I think I've not, because of, honestly, part of it is the cooler space and like the amount of work that it takes to do a 20 pound bird in a wet brine is just really, um, it's really tough because I mean, there's just a lot of movement around and there's people who do it in the, and I know there's people who do it in the bathtub and I just thought gets weird for me because <laughs> I don't funny. know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, but I think the dry brine where you just take you, I lose the black tea piece of it, but I, it's still got all the good flavors to it. So, and if the end, the result is the juiciness of the bird, which is, that's the whole point. Then I think it's good. Uh, a wild Turkey is another type of Turkey that you'll see. Typically, they say these are for smaller gatherings and for dark meat lovers because it tends to be a gamier bird. Mm -hmm. Um, They usually are no more than 10 pounds and have a natural rich meat and a slight gaminess. So that would be your wild turkeys. And then heritage turkeys have a slow growth rate and they more than not are usually foraged. They take six to seven and a half months to reach their market weight Um, whereas a conventional bird takes four months, they don't get as large and the meat is finer in texture and richer in flavor. I have had a heritage turkey before. And then the last type is the organic free-range turkey, typically more expensive due to labor-intensive practices involved in farming, which is sort of ironic when you think about it, that you have to pay more for it to be farmed in a way that is more sustainable, but what have you. Yeah. Um, They're organic They're fed pure well water and certified 100% organic grain. And they also tend to be smaller than conventional varieties just because, again, they're foraging. So those are the four types of categories, I guess, that turkeys fall in, as it were. And just, I know I've said this before, but I know that people are worried. Like I just said, the fact that, you know, France 44 has, um, I they think they had only organic turkeys, but they have run out of turkeys already. Like their ordering is done. Um, you know, they don't have any more in their allotment. And it's mostly, I think, because people are worried about supply chain. It's not because there's a shortage, but if someone runs out, it's mostly because their allotment is done. And, and I mean, every year I go to Lund's, you know, at the very last minute and there's always turkeys there. So yeah. like you do not worry that you will not have a turkey if you don't think you are going to be able to order in time or something like that. Just don't panic is what I'm saying. Also, Ferndale Market, we've talked about that's a third generation farm. Um, they've got lots of turkeys they are taking pre-orders right now. They have a market out on the site, so you can go down and pick it up. Or you can find a lot of their products wholesale um, around the Twin Cities. They typically will supply um, the co-ops and do a great job. If you're looking to reserve a fresh turkey, they yes. would be someone I would check out with. They have Turkey Fest on November 20th through the 24th, which is just right down there in Cannon Falls. 
And um, you can go pick up your turkey, but then there's also great things like they've got homemade turkey gravy, they've got apple pie, they've got a whole bunch of different things that you can sort of uh, pick up. Like they've got local makers that are doing great things. Um, but you can also get smoked turkeys from them, by the way. And just and you can also reserve just the bone-in breasts if you want to do that. I know a lot of people thought they kind of have made that transition over into just doing the breasts because those are the only parts of that they really are up for. So they have those for you, too. If you're a gift giver, um, they also have a corporate Thanksgiving gift box available. So if you're out there and you're putting gifts together with all this idea of people being concerned about where they're going to get their turkeys, that might be a really, a really well-received gift this year. Um, I do want to quickly mention, too, we haven't talked about some of the traditional grocery store situations. So Kowalski's obviously does a great job. They've got fresh Thanksgiving turkeys. They've got the floral arrangements, full meal kits, Thanksgiving pies and sides. Also, Lunds and Byerly's. I was going through, Hy-Vee has a pretty robust uh, store magazine where they had lots of recipes and talked about their Thanksgiving offerings. So while we tend to talk about a lot of what the restaurants are doing, the grocery stores also have some good setups if you want to get some pre-made items. Um, while I was looking for all of these recipes, I came across a cider cocktail situation for apple cider cocktails and punches. At my house this year, we're probably going to have 12, I think. So I like to do a signature cocktail when people arrive. So I'm going to be doing either a bourbon punch or an apple cider spiked bourbon punch. But another... Um, thing that I saw that was really interesting was a mulled cider with white wine. I was thinking about like last year, a lot of people were having folks over for an outdoor situation before the feast, just to gather with family. Maybe if you're um, having COVID concerns, having a hot mulled wine outside at a fire pit might be fun. And then a fall sangria too. Sangria is generally just some kind of a wine with a liqueur and then it's mixed with fruit this fall sangria looks really pretty in the glass, um, but you can put apples, pears, pomegranates, any of those fun types of things. A cinnamon stick is in this one as long as well as a um, sprig of rosemary. And the base of it is apple brandy and a pisco sour. And then it has ginger beer and apple cider. And then it is uh, topped with a little bit of soda water, too. So making a big punch, if you make like a big punch bowl, you're going to be able to serve anywhere from 8 to 15. And that's a nice way to get a signature cocktail on the table in a hurry. Um, One of the other things I was going to mention there, Certix does have, a, that was part of the thing of the list that we talked about before, but they have a four pack of uh, of Thanksgiving you know, holiday wines. And I love the fact that they put them together so that you can just pick them up and grab them. And just so that like, for, if you're thinking about wines, like maybe you can, you've, you're excited for doing a punch at the front, but then maybe you're like, but what do I do on the table? Cause you kind of don't really want to, I mean, like it's harder to bring like those cocktail punches to the table. Um, so I think a really great idea is also to grab, you know, like four, a four pack of wine that is just seems like it's both good, like red and white. And obviously we always talk about the Emily, which is a sort of a, a mix. It's not a rosé necessarily, but it's a mix between, um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Is that is in their of, kit? No, I don't oh, know I was if it's going to say, no, um, uh, uh, a Pinot, they've got A to Z Pinot actually on special. Cause I was there this week for 1499 a bottle, which is a right. pretty good price. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they're four pack of wines when you pick them up too. I think it's forty eight bucks. It's always a pretty yeah, good deal. It's a super deal. Yeah, they they said it. I think they had these four were normally a sixty five. You know, if you buy them all separately, but then they're putting them up for like forty eight or something like that, which is great. All right. Well, uh, Karen Tomlinson is with Muriel Restaurant, and there was a special dinner that she did this week that we'll talk about with her when we come back live on the Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka Salmon Share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, We are being joined by Miss Karn Tomlinson. Are you there, Karn? Oh, is she there? I don't know. Yes. Oh, there you <laughs> there are. You are. We got gotcha. Um, And of course, you are the wonderful and beautiful chef of Muriel, chef owner of Muriel Restaurant in St. Paul. And you, by the way, had a dinner this week that, I mean, every single food writer, person, blogger, picture taker was there <laughs> and putting it all out for everyone to see. So it all looked quite magical. So congratulations on that. Thanks. It was a great night. It was. That soup you made was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Sunchoke is just one of my favorites. Seriously. And what were the crispy bits in it? Were they like bits of barley? That was actually some toasted buckwheat. Oh, so good. So good. And you made a great kombucha, too, that I can't stop thinking about. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that at Muriel. So one of the things, though, about Muriel is that this is one of those great restaurants. It's, you know, kind of one of the it's I mean, it's small. I mean, how many seats do you have, Karn? It's 28 in the dining room and about 10 more in the bar. Right. So really 38 tops. It's very, very intimate. It's intimate. Right. Let's not call it small. We'll call it intimate. (laughs) But that's because I think that there's a lot of people who are craving that kind of experience these days and really thinking about, you know, like making it more cozy and a little bit quieter in terms of like the moments between each other, not this like crazy scene where people are walking in and out and you're waving at everybody, but just like a quiet moment at a table with a friend. I think near is really great for that thanks yeah i know i really think especially after last year you know it's just really really so good like human connection is just really important and meaningful connection yeah um you know the party scene is kind of like terrifying after (laughs) after forgetting our social skills and everything from quarantining and and um and do we really need that anyway so i don't know that's the question i totally agree (laughs) probably not yeah so, yeah, probably not. I mean, so one of the things though that and and we do we should note that this your dinner was in sponsor of this Norwegian butter that was mm-hmm. coming out or is coming out. 
um, this Roros, and it seems like everybody has loved it, that it was really good. Is this something that, mm-hmm. like, is it a thing that you were familiar with before this? I mean, I think I'd, I'd heard of it, and I know some of my friends in that part of the world are familiar, more familiar with it, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lovely, really lovely butter. You would have loved it, stuff. Like, yeah. Butter. Well, it's actually, more like a condiment than a, this a is it, right? Meaningless. Spread. I know. Yeah. They actually dropped off a pack of butter to my house since I was unable to attend the uh, the dinner, which was kind of like I missed out on my car in time, but I, <laughs> I kind of got butter anyway. <laughs> So that's well, okay. we can get together and eat a lot of butter together. Later. I think that's a plan. And just uh, all we need yeah. is that butter and some crackers. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. It tasted mm-hmm. almost like cheese too, like just the texture mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, because and- it's and the culture, mm-hmm. you knowness of it is pretty interesting. I do appreciate that. So, yeah. and actually, can we talk about that for a minute? Because there's as we're using it for baking, as we're using it, as we think about holidays and going forward with people who are going to be making rolls or they're going to be baking things or they're going to be making pies, you, and of course you have a family, like part of Muriel and what's wonderful about it is that this is really cooking that sort of blends your past and the women who kind of help teach you things into, and your hometown with mm-hmm. sort of refined techniques. So Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have some pie tech that you want to share or any sort of things from your past about that? Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to actually be making a bunch of pies here pretty soon. I just um, scored some amazing apples from an orchard in Cocado, yeah. Minnesota. Um, Harrelson's are my favorite. For, for oh, me pie, too. Totally, but... totally. Love them. Yes, yes. And um, so I actually, I do a lard crust, but it's really important to have good butter in the pie and there have been a few times in my life I've made boy I don't know I wish I had started counting how many pies I've made because it's a lot yeah but <laughs> seriously I, um, <laughs> I think I don't, I'm still my grandma might have might have beat me I still might not have reached her her score yet but we'll see <laughs> you um, have time to hit it <laughs> I think so, hopefully but um yeah it's really important I remember her doing this a number of times and I've done it where we'll get the the pile ready to make where we top it and then we're like oh shoot forgot the butter and no matter what no matter how much of a pain it is you've got to take off that top and put on the butter or else it just will not be the same really um Yes. So lard crust, butter on the inside. That's my, my strategy. So do you use a hundred percent lard? Yep. Okay. And you keep it frozen or cold flavor. I'm honestly, I don't even get that technical with it. You know, I've worked with lard that's been sitting out in a warm kitchen for a little bit. And it is best if it's slightly cold, um, you know, not like runny, depending on the kind of lard you're using, but, um, uh, I don't worry about like really chilling it. We got lard one year, and I tried to make a pie with it, and it was just a mess. It's not easy. Aww. You have to. I think you need to practice with it. Like you have to get your techniques down, and you have to have like your yeah. patterns with it. I think. And you say yep. on your Instagram post, you say that you were using lard from Hidden Stream Farm hogs, right? Yeah. 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 Those guys are great. Yep. So we've been doing a combination of that, um, uh, the lard from Hidden Stream Farms, and then also. Um, the last hog that we got is from a couple farmers in also in Cocado. Um, they're, um, I am totally Homestead Hills farm, <laughs> Megan and Paul Johnson. Yeah. And they're doing some really cool things. So yeah, so we're using it from both technically. That's really amazing. So how much butter, so you make your lard crust and then you put your apples mm-hmm. in, how much butter do you put in the pie on top of the apples before you put your top crust on? 
I mean, who's really counting? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I just put it on until it looks right. Um, but I think it's, you know, a couple tablespoons, which for me is more like three at least. But um, Okay, so like, yeah, yeah, half a stick or, yeah, okay. Um, maybe not half a stick, but yeah, like a third of a stick would be great. Okay. Um, so, okay, now let's talk about this because this is important. Like last year, Muriel, you, it was before Muriel was technically open, right? And so you yes. were doing a whole bunch of kits and you're not going to do that this year. You're going to do, but you are going to send do these pies. Is that right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Just for the sanity of our staff and um, just to, I mean, we really do have a tiny space. It's amazing what we can fit in our walk-in, which wasn't even there before either. Um, we put in a walk-in cooler, but it still is, you know, there's a magical way that it always just, no matter what size it is, it always gets maxed out in a restaurant. But um, we uh, we just don't have space to really do takeout, even though we'd love to serve the neighborhood that way. Um, but pie is sort of, um, you know, that's probably one of the finickier things to make on Thanksgiving, short of the turkey. Um, and so I'm happy to do that. Uh, and that's just, we have, we have just enough room for that. That's good. I think that's really excellent. And I think there's something about, um, you know, I don't know, like for me, I don't ever make the dessert in the feast as I'm always, that's always something that somebody else does. So having it be, you know, something like this that can be from either someone else's family is kind of an idea that I love. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Mm hmm. Um, are you, so as far as like looking forward, you know, towards, uh, you know, Christmas and stuff like that, do you already start thinking about holiday, other holiday baking that you're going to be doing? Yeah. I haven't figured out Christmas yet though. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So if you have any ideas, let me know. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I've kind of been taking it one, one thing at a time. We're, we're actually planning for a little dinner with some of our farmers next week. And then we're doing a wine dinner after that. So I've kind of been, and this is this is new to me, owning a restaurant and planning all these things and right? the marketing team and all that. I know. Well, so, that's the thing is I was telling uh, some other people and they were they were, you know, people were asking for for, you know, stuff in September. And I'm like, they're not ready. Most of these restaurants don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. too hard to plan that far ahead. But your wine dinner is sold out already, by the way. Do you, I mean, my God, that's yes. really great. Yeah. So we'll do we'll do a couple other things like that. I'm also might do something with the historical society out in Dassel, which is sort of the farm area um, that I have been doing a lot of work with and where my family's from um, later winter, early spring. Um, so there are some things in the works, but we'll definitely do something around the holidays. Um, just not exactly sure what it will be yet. It won't be a full uh, a full feast to go or anything like that. But we'll have some we'll have some things. Okay. I mean, right. And think that it'll be like, I think that people are coming. Are you finding people are making reservations already? Like more for like buying tickets to get, you know, their holiday kind of thing set or I mean, how yeah. are you seeing that? Yeah, we've had a few um, families uh, make reservations, you know, larger um, reservations, which is tough. I mean, we're a small restaurant. I know. So it kind of takes a little bit of a little bit of uh care um but dana our director of hospitality is just on it she's really trying to make the most of it for everyone wonderful wonderful okay well we look forward to celebrating many many evenings and uh with you guys in the sweetest little muriel and you guys are um what's the date that they can order the pies by or you have to have them ordered by do you have a date really it's kind of until they sell out um but ideally before um and they'll probably sell out by then but um i'd like to have a solid number the weekend before Thanksgiving. Okay.
Yeah. So when you have a li- you have a limited set that you're gonna be able to achieve is what yes. you're saying. My my arm and shoulders can only handle so much. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Karen, for calling in, and I'm so glad you guys got a butter dinner under the under the wire before the baking holidays yeah. happen for sure. But we're yeah, all excited to see what you know keeps rolling from you at Muriel for sure. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. We're here to wrap up the show, the start of feast season. We did get an email that came in, stuff that they wanted to talk about the cookbook swap and find out how it was. Oh, good. It was lovely. It was it wonderful. Was good. We raised, I mean, I we raised like, I think over $3,000, I think, something like that. I don't know. I didn't get yeah. that news, but that's great. And I'm not surprised. We had so many we of you that came out. We tickets sold at least. So, And then I think we did a whole bunch more at the raffle and everything else so that's great yeah we had a lot of you come out which was super fun all of the extra cookbooks went to st paul college our friend nathan searching picked him up and he had a whole truck full yeah he was very happy about it he was very grateful it was interesting too because there were all different kinds of books so you know some people brought the vintage cookbooks which stuff likes to peruse and i like those and then we also had like one person decided she was decidedly over Jamie Oliver and brought every wow. single book he's ever so published. So many, yeah. <laughs> that was sort of an insane thing. There were more men this year than we've ever had yep, before, which true. was fun. And also a couple of kids, young, burgeoning chefs. And there were some kids' cookbooks. It was also just great to hang out at Malcolm Yards. If you haven't been yet, they really did a lovely job hosting us. And it's just a beautiful space. Yeah, People really enjoy going there. I think we would. I think if we get that number of people again, we need to spread some tables out more for perusing so that everybody can kind of get at the books a little bit better because it was, it's a little hard. But I mean, it was just the fact that we've never had that many people there before. It was wonderful. Yeah. So hold on to your cookbooks. I imagine we'll do it again next October. Sure. Someone sent an email and she was like, I have to take off work a year in advance. Oh my God. Well, we can't nail a date down yet doll yeah just think october on a saturday afternoon some point uh mary i think has a cookie question or excuse me a turkey question she's on the line hi mary how you doing good morning i'm doing well how about you good what can we help you with so you talked about wild turkeys yes can you buy them somewhere well sort of You know, obviously the co-ops or your meat markets are going to have, but they're not like literally like the kind you see roaming through your front yard. Yeah, it's I mean, we have to remember that wild turkeys eat different things than like farm raised turkeys. And so you need to sort of just be ready for that flavor difference. You know, Um, if you are looking for that specific thing, then yes, for sure. I'd almost see if there was I mean, I'd reach out to friends who are no hunters if you'd be up for that. But um, I don't know. They, they don't really tend to sell them. Yeah, in a in a meat market like it's or a, that a hunted sort of thing. thing, or it's farm raised, and so it's hard to find. It's usually somebody's personal farm chicken, yeah, turkey, wild so turkey. Better ask somebody that has a farm and yep, yeah, is, I would uh, is hunting. Yeah, I would rather. I mean, duck is what I've had wild duck, and it is so much better than tame duck. We just were looking at Lowry Hill Meats, mm-hmm. and they have a ton of duck ducks. They've got a whole duck. They've got um, parts of ducks. They've got a whole pheasant there. So I think if you're looking for more of like a wild bird situation, that'd be a great place. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. You okay. Thanks, weekend. Mary. 
Another question came in, Steph, uh, and I don't know if you know of anybody that sells loaves of Cuban bread or some, they're looking to make Cuban sandwiches. And I have scoured, and other than Victor's 44, which they said doesn't sell it, they weren't sure that anybody sold it in town. Um, I... Cuban Honestly, bread is apparently different. Yeah, for Cubans, it's it's like a French bread. It has a slightly different. It's like a little bit spongier, I think, and that's why it makes great Cubanos. Is what I feel like. Um, but now I'm thinking about it. Oh, it's because they add lard into the bread, and so it's a heavier flavor to the bread. And but it makes it. Um, it makes it more. It's either it's easier to. It says it makes more enjoyable a day it is baked rather than a day later, but. I don't know. I there's a couple there's a couple uh, Cuban places. Um, there's that one we talked about just last week by the um, yeah St. Paul Guavos. Yeah. Um, so if you know of anybody that you can tweet us at Weekly Dish and we'll spread that information. There's on. that El Cubano, which is the one over on Dodd Road. And I wonder if you went in there and asked them about either wh- or called them and asked them where they get their bread or if they make their bread. You might be able to score a loaf. Um, there was a comment that came in that said, Hey, just want you to know Trader Joe's does a boxed cornbread stuffing mix. That's pretty great. It comes with a packet. You add water and you boil it and then pour over cornbread cubes. I add cooked onion, celery stock and an egg and that makes a good cornbread stuffing. So if someone, we talked to a gal earlier that was thinking about doing cornbread stuffing this year, maybe that's a shortcut for her. All right. On the cornbread stuffing front. Yeah, there's, I mean, Lord knows there's enough stuffing recipes out there for many, many different versions and ways of of making it wonderful. That's for sure. If you are ever looking, oh, here's one other uh, question that came in. At the cookbook swap, she said, got a chance to meet you. Really fun. Thanks for hosting well, it was more of a thank you than oh, anything else that came in. That's good. Hey, there's a class I wanted to let you guys know about, um, about uh, from Zenska Glava, the ladies who do the online um, cooking classes, and or, food, or I'm sorry, wine classes. And I love the fact they're doing a how-to and how not to pair wine on November 21st. You can just register for that. This information is in the feed, the MSP Mag feed. Um, but there is, what I love is that it's sort of this idea that we all kind of worry about, like, do I have to have white on the table because I have turkey, you know, or should I have red if we're having steak? And, you know, there's a really there's a lot of ideas around what wines should go with what foods. And this is I love the fact that they're going to do this. Just walk you through a step by step guide of what pairing really is and how to achieve your best outcome. And so, you know, there's no secret combinations and no like, you know, hidden rules or anything. They're just kind of walking you through, I think, like tastes and flavors and how they match and what what makes sense and what doesn't. But in the end, remember, it's just kind of like what you want to eat. But it's a $25 class, and it's on the 21st of November, which is kind of a great deal. So that's a a fun one. A couple of other um, turkey spots that have popped up that I didn't mention. Kramarchik's is uh, doing turkeys. They're free range and delivered from a local farm. And their estimated cost they have is $3.69 a pound. So that gives you a general idea. Clancy's Meat and Fish will also be doing turkeys. And co-ops, we mentioned a lot, but at the co-ops, they're going to have the Larry Schultz Organic or Ferndale Farms Market turkeys. So that could be an option for you if you're thinking about where else you need to get your turkeys. Yeah, I sign up usually. I used to sign up at Harvest Moon in Long Lake for my between. It was always between uh, Larry Schultz and 
and Ferndale Market. And I'm, I mean, for me, I don't notice that big of a difference between the flavors of an organic versus a Ferndale, which is, you know, sustainably raised and natural, but not organic. So, um, but I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like if you're going organic at this point with that, that you're supporting, you know, an ideal and a practice. And I totally am behind that. That's great. But um, as far as flavor goes, I think you can kind of go either way and be fine with it. If you want an adventure, Cottage on Farms in Glenwood has a whole uh, area where you can pick out your bird. They're free range birds and they clean them by hand um, and you can travel to the market and it's kind of more of a rustic day at the farm type of situation. And that's in Glenwood, Minnesota. They also supply the turkeys and chickens, a lot of them, to the local farmers markets and the local um, co-ops. Yeah. Yep. So if that's something you're interested in. Um, if you're interested in apples, I will tell you that Keepsake Cidery has a cool little event tonight. They're doing an eat an apple, drink an apple. The cider, I think it's tonight. And I might not say I'm wondering if it was last night and I've already screwed that up. That sounds good. Um, but I love the fact that Nate Waters, who is sort of an apple savant, um, he, oh, it's tonight. He is, um, and it's at, it's at 2 PM. So I think you could probably still go, but it's like, he's going to take five of their heirloom, uh, apple varieties. And then you're going to taste, go through a tasting of the apples and then also do a tasting of the ciders that result from those apples. And that's kind of a neat way because especially when we're talking about the feast, you know, on the table, uh, it being a cider to me is always a natural on the table. If you're thinking, if you're worried about red wine or white wine, go cider also gluten-free. So like if you have somebody who doesn't want to drink beer or things like that, um, really a wonderful option. So that's out at keepsake cider. If you guys are interested in that. All right, and that wraps up the launch of the Feast program. We'll be back in the weeks to come talking about the Feast. Have a great weekend.